755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic. I'm with my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever, and our somewhat regular guest and the most irregular person, uh, another former Braves reliever, Pete Moylan. What's, what's up, Pete? What's up, Eric? Nothing, Dave. <laughs> Well, we just had a little conversation before we started recording here. Sorry about my laughter there. Um, about Juan Uribe, how much we miss Juan Uribe. Eric, you played with Juan, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Every day was an adventure. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, uh, before we get into that and some other things, Marcakis' walk-off last night. Nick Marcakis, exactly one month after he opted out, he walked off the Blue Jays last night. And it was, uh, I don't know, one of the big moments of the early season. That was a pretty cool uh, thing for a guy that I know you guys love. Everybody that plays with him seems to love. What, what were you guys thinking when Nick did that? Do you have any inkling that was going to happen? Not on a first-pitch breaking ball. No chance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's like – that's. That's one of those things that, you know, you talk about guys just having experience and whatnot. I mean, being able to go up there and sit on a breaking ball like that, you just – you don't expect it. I mean, a first-pitch breaking ball when you're – especially as a reliever, is almost a free strike like 90% of the time the guy hits it off and ends the game. You just don't see it coming. Especially after after the month that it had been too. Um, yeah. I know he was so excited to get back and he was he was angry about the at-bat that he had before. So, um, mm-hmm. I mean, what a – what what a what a lift for that team, and you just see people's reactions too. The difference that he makes in that clubhouse. If you couldn't see it last night, then even yeah. Freddie's Freddie's face the whole night was like, I know he had a homer, but you know he didn't look the same Freddie for for yeah. a, for a couple of games, and and I don't know whether it was just the fact that you know his timing's off, and and it's been just such a strange start to the season, um, but. You know, it just to, just to see the whole excitement around that last night was was good, and I think um, I think the fact that Tuki pitched so well was huge as well. Oh, yeah. So there's just so many things we can talk about today. They, yeah, they when, absolutely needed that from Tuki after what's happened yeah. this week, obviously with Soroka. But I agree with you, Pete. I think Freddie, and he would never say this, but I think Freddie is so much more comfortable or happier when there's another guy older than him with the kind of gravitas that Freddie has. And he's just not the center of everything. You know, he doesn't mind being the spokesperson and all that, but I think he likes to have a guy in the clubhouse that he can, uh, you know, that he can relate to a little better or just, uh, you know, bounce stuff off and, 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 and go to for advice. Cause there's nobody else on that team at Freddie, this point in Freddie's career that he can do that with. Freddie's been that guy through the rebuild. He's been that guy. Like he's mm-hmm. been that guy. And I think he yeah. really enjoyed having other guys around him for the last couple of years. So mm-hmm. when Nick was gone and it was just a bunch of young guys again, I think it's got to, it's got to affect you. You know, you can't, it's, I was an older guy in that clubhouse in 18. And as much as I try to stay young and hip and cool, you, you just can't, yeah, you just can't keep kids, up. You know? Like it's just, it's just, as soon as TikTok came out, I was done. <laughs> You're gone. <laughs> Well, for the record, Moilo, you are young, hip, and cool. I, I, I would give you that. Well, Dave, if you well, say it, that means I'm not. So what <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point, actually. Um, how about thirty but, being an old guy, though? You know, that's yeah. how much the game's changed. If you're even talking oh, about a guy that's thirty in baseball absolutely. being kind of an older guy, I mean, you just isn't it crazy? So it quick, is too. happened fast. Mm. 
And and you'll get these people, especially like on, on social media, you'll get guys, you know, that are just total analytics freaks that don't believe in anything else except that. And they will dismiss and not even think it's uh, the irony in saying and talking about a guy being 30 as being old. I, I The other day, somebody was talking about Freddie Freeman. About, uh, I wouldn't go too long with him. He's almost 30. And, uh, you know, I'm like, are you kidding me? That's true. I mean, we just, uh, but in, we in just watched past, Chipper play till 40. But, but in, in years past, Dave, Freddie would have been sitting on an eight to 10 year deal for 300 million. Yep. Like, what? absolutely. So right now, it makes more sense to give him a five, yeah, five year at 30 AAV instead of. Oh, I agree. You know, so I, I just don't think that you'll see those contracts for someone who's 30 or older anymore. Absolutely. We've talked about this before. Eric and I talked about that. It's just totally changed, especially pitchers. I mean, think about the big contracts that pitchers got less than, you know, like five or six years ago after age 30. Yeah, 33, you could still get a five or Mm six-year deal. Now it's one or two for if you're over 33. But would you rather see younger guys getting these contracts and having to look at Albert Pujols trying to trying to play? I mean, oh, yeah. although Albert's, oh, I agree. Albert's actually looked pretty good so far this year, and a sixty game season might help the older guys. But like Miggy's not even close to what he was, man. It's, it's not oh, even a bad anymore. I, like it's oh, not even, it's not even I fun agree. to watch. I agree. Some of those contracts were just hideous. Almost all the really long ones were terrible in the last half of them. And I'd rather see that money go to the young guys, especially now. Well, we've talked about this. It has to change as far as the arbitration. Uh, yeah. The, the period has to go to at least drop to five years to free agency and two years to arbitration if they're going to go so young with the contracts and, yeah. and, and also manipulate guys at the front end and not bring them up. Some guys aren't making their debut till they're 24. They're not free agents until they're 29 or 30. Yeah. You know, that doesn't yeah. work in this system. Freddie doesn't scare me as much, though. Uh, you know, a lot of guys say, say like a Javi Baez that's just swinging. I mean, every swing right. is max effort. The way Freddie plays, I could see him being an, an older guy that even in his late 30s can still hit, you know, similar like Nelson Cruz or somebody that just seems to swing Especially easy, with the DH. You know? Yeah. Especially and with he's the DH. Compact swing. He's super flexible. He's not hitting the weights too hard. Right. Um, and his style not, of hitting, too. His you game's know. not speed either. He's first base. He doesn't. It's not explosive like Baez, for instance. Is speed and explosive. Yeah, and it, his power is not necessarily like swinging hard or, or brute strength. It's more just leverage. And he's not. You know, he's just got long levers and a compact swing. I could see him being a guy that actually holds up. He wouldn't scare me as much to sign. You know, into his mid to late thirties. And he he's found a good mix with his weight too. Um, you know, he he's lean he's flexible he's strong he's got everything he looked kind of like you were in the last few years of your well well not the last few not but. You. yeah you're right you're, <laughs> you're a pizza eating machine for the last couple yeah that cost me yeah heard that. meanwhile mark mark looks to be in as good or better shape than he was in when he first came to the brace and he was in great shape then but this guy's a, he's just on top of it man he doesn't age. He said he didn't pick up a bat until a week before he yeah. decided that he was going to come back. And then he, so, yeah. Oh, my God. That's he said he until he got to the Gwinnett site. That's, that's what he said. He said he worked out. doing it your whole life, you know. He worked out every day, stayed in great shape, was throwing with his kids. You know, he's got three boys. He said he cannot fire the ball at all of them at this point. Uh, and he was running and catching, but he, he did not uh, – he didn't hit, he said, until he got to Gwinnett a week ago. It's different than pitching, I guess. You, there's no like. Is there a swing shape? Are you in swing shape? Is it like a because um, no, it's not you, one limb? You know, it's right. it's not one limb that's wearing the shape, front of it. You, it. you know, I mean, it's using your whole body versus like throwing. Man, it's just like that first week of throwing, your shoulder just hurts, your elbow, everything just hurts. You know, and, and it just takes time for your body to be able to recover and tolerate it. But 
Swinging, I don't think, is nearly as hard on the body, obviously. There's been there's been a couple off seasons where I've thought my career was over first time I pick up a baseball. <laughs> Did you see CC's first first pitch that he threw out? No. CC threw a first pitch. It was almost I mean, it looked like fifty cent almost. Because you could tell he hadn't <laughs> he hadn't really been doing much and he tried to just go out there and throw out the first pitch. And you, I know that first throw, man, where oh. you try to throw it like you used to and not a single lever fires and it just he just threw it just a like a bowling ball up there just like a hand grenade. <laughs> it, it, I think it landed like four feet left of home plate, about five feet short. Yeah, French, Frenchy was talking about that home run derby that he and uh, BJ are going to retire after next year. Frenchy said he was t- he was uh, hurting for two weeks after last yeah. year when he won that thing. <laughs> he was pretty impressive, though. <clears throat> so Nick gives him a 4-3 win last night, 7-2 homestand against all odds. I mean, in second bad, place. Yeah. <laughs> behind the Marlins who've played every Marlins. Shouldn't count. <laughs> hey, get the, how about this? Speaking of that, the way that the Philly schedule is now with all the doubleheaders that are planned, uh, and the Marlins have to play like 27 games in 23 days. The Phillies are going to end up playing, if they don't play any more than are already scheduled, they're going to play 20% of their games are going to be seven-inning games. Just say, how many innings is that? 20% of their games, seven innings. The doubleheaders, you know, shorten to seven innings. What a weird season this is going to be at the end. If they that's to going it. to have a massive effect on playoff yeah. arms and playoff like guys that are. That's helpful. It's helpful. You're going to be. Yeah. You're going to be have yeah. so much energy and so much so much power left for the playoff run if you're only playing seven innings in the lead up. Like that's. Yeah. Oof. So Nick, uh, like you said, uh, Tuki last night was. That was the best I've ever seen him, at least the best since the, he made his debut several years ago when we thought this guy's next going to be the next great Braves pitcher. I mean, but he hadn't been since. And bouncing between the minors and big leagues and bullpen and rotation, I think he's kind of uh, maybe gets it that he, this is time to seize this opportunity because it's right there since Soroka got hurt. I mean, they're going to give him every opportunity. And he went out last night and did exactly what they needed him to do. Do you remember? Oh, do you remember the point where you realized that you could do this on a regular basis? Like, you remember? I remember the outing. Yeah, um, it was just like shit. I can do this. Um, I had an outing against the Yankees. Um, the lineup was like Johnny Damon, Jorge Posada, Bernie Williams, uh, Matsui, Giambi, A Rod, Jeter. Like it was 07 when they just had a stacked lineup. Robinson Cano was in the nine hole, um, and I was kind of. I was in that mode where I'd kind of been up and down a few times. And uh, Batista, our starter, went like an inning and a third. So I got called on as a wear it guy. And it was it was almost like I knew I was going down, so it took the pressure off. And I wound up throwing like four, two-thirds, or five innings of like one-hit baseball. And I just – I honestly just it, – it was a point where they couldn't send me down because I threw so well. Right. But I remember after that outing, like, man, if I can get through that lineup – I can get through any lineup, but just, I think sometimes you just have a kind of an eye opening. You have to do that for yourself. Yeah. You have to see it for yourself. So, I mean, that could be a big outing for Tukey. He he could get that feeling after this and be like, shit, you know, I can actually dominate a big league lineup. I mean, no walks yesterday and what nine strikeouts, nine strikeouts. What do you think of his stuff, man? It's, it's there. That's why he's a prospect, but they're all, you're all, they're all supposed to be great. You know, it's a matter of coming up and doing it. And, and last night he finally did it. Stuff's never going to be an issue again, Dave, because if you don't have stuff, then they'll, they'll figure out how You're to make it. You're not getting a shot. They'll yeah, show you right. how to – but they'll also show you how to – okay, this is Verlander's curveball. Just spin it this way. And right, if, right. If you've got the arm speed and if you've got the spin rate, then why can't Shape you just replicate it? Huh? it? But Shape he's always it had the uh, drive line. 
Yeah. Newcomb has the stuff too, you know, like you, you see the guys come up and they, they have the stuff that, that you've been told about. They're throwing 95. They got the good curveball, and the difference is up in the, it's up between the ears. You know, it's yeah. like, how do you get that to translate into a major league game and how do you use it? And I so think Tukies. normally it's like, they're just, it's a mental thing yeah. where, you know, you're just, you're, you're anxious or you're not confident and you're mm-hmm. nibbling and things like that. Once guys have these outings, like, like Tukey had yesterday where he just threw strikes and, and mm-hmm. found out his stuff is good enough and it does play. That's what you can really build with. Yeah. I, I mean, that I might help. Too. That might help. Let him put it in play is what he said. And he, he did it last night. That breaking ball though, that's sweeping. That that was nasty. It's man. gross. It's, and it's, it's sort of, it's, it's, it's so effective too, because sometimes he doesn't spin it as well. And it'll, it'll mm-hmm. obviously be that front door. It's a righty slider that everybody tries to replicate. But um, mm-hmm. if he gets it going good, man, that thing breaks as good as, as, as anyone I've seen. And I feel, feel like he's got a couple where he can have one go more straight mm-hmm. down and the other one will go more side to side. So um, I can make him be effective against lefties, righties. doesn't matter. I mean, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. I like it. And he's so loose and athletic out there too. And this guy's uh what he's a time athlete. to do it too. Like, you know, oh, we go God. Soroka go down, all of a sudden everyone's looking around and Braves fans are panicking. Like mm-hmm. um, oh, we were panicking here last week too. Well, <laughs> it's understandably so. Like yeah. Um, yeah. I just you, you go from having Newcomb as your fifth starter to all of a sudden now you've got well, you're in the two hole and we've got to figure out the last three spots. Um and you've tired you've timed your rebuild so that you are gonna be successful for the next couple of years. It, it, it's it can be devastating to lose someone like that, but but for him to step up and show that it's not the end of the world, and with Nick talking about the different arms that are down at the satellite site that yep. he's impressed with, um, it's I don't think it's as bad as 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 we think. Well, the I think since it happened, every guy that's gone out there has made progress, has shown progress. Freed obviously is there. I mean that that outing he had the other night was another superb one. He's had three starts this year, and he's been pretty dominant. Yeah. I mean, he's got that kind of stuff each night he goes out. It seems like he takes a no-hitter to the third, fourth, fifth inning every time yeah. he goes out, that kind of stuff. He just doesn't give up hits, man. I would like and to then, see – I'm interested to see how he goes against uh, the Yankees. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it'll be, that, that'll be his, that'll be a real test for Max. Uh, and then, and then uh, what, Newcomb – Eric, you've raved about him forever, and he actually made some progress too, I thought. He was th- – uh, what last two nights ago, he 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 was throwing strikes and that breaking ball of his combined with that what still those mid nineties you know without even max efforting it, uh, it's still there. I mean, I think I don't think it's too late for Nuke. You guys do? How do you feel about him? No, I mean he's even even the last out. I mean, he gave up a lot of base runners, but it's similar to to that start right had where. You know, you give up a lot of base runners, but you learn that you can work through and get out of yeah. those situations. Um, it's it's just tough because you got a team that's trying to compete, and you don't have time for bad starts. You know, right? And that's a, why they're and that's not why they're not bringing up prospect yet. Probably uh, with zero experience, they'd rather these guys these are guys. still prospects. You know, ex- experience yeah. wise, and yeah, you just you know you just you got to start proving it to yourself, and you got to prove it to to your team too. But it's it's tough when. You know, a team with this many pitching prospects is normally in the development stage. Mm-hmm. And this team's not, you know, like they started winning sooner than they expected. They got a great group mm-hmm. of guys. And all of a sudden it's, you know, you're trying to have these outings that you grow from, but there's no time to really grow from them because we need you to have good starts right away. And I think in a sense, almost Soroka going down and there being an extra spot up for grabs might have taken some pressure off some guys. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they're not looking over the shoulder and thinking yeah. one bad start and I'm going down. Right. It's not like we're in a position where every starter has to go six or seven innings either. We have a bullpen right. that can carry a right. starter that's going to go three or four. Get us through three or four right now. Especially in this 60-game season. Right. We can cover it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that bullpen in a second. They've been they've been every bit as advertised. Um, and they're just getting Will Smith back Smith now. Too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Without yeah, without Nick, one of the Nick, best guys. Nick said last night, uh, you alluded to it. He said, I was upset with my previous set back because he struck out with the runner in score position in the for the second out in the sixth inning when the Braves were up three one. So he said we shouldn't have been in this situation with a tie game. So here at this, this this huge moment, and all the guys. Talk, the first thing he talks about is how that he didn't feel like if if he would have came through in his previous at bat, they wouldn't have been in this situation. I mean, that's just uh, being accountable. That's what the guy is all about. He can't do everything, though. Um, I appreciate no. Nick saying that, but he's also he's also taking a month off. And <laughs> yeah, you know, well, I mean, can, yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. You've got to cut for him a to, bit to blame Nick. himself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a mindset that makes him good, though. Yeah. His, correct. 10th career walk-off RBI and second home or the other one being 2000 opening day against the Phillies here. So, um, let me, huh? Neros split finger. Here you go. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you guys, is it a fluke or is there a good reason why the Braves have 80 wins in their last at bat since Snit became manager May 17th, 2016, which is the most, such wins in the majors over that span. In other words, the, the team's last uh, at bat, last inning. I think, you know, I don't think it's a, it's just something that you build on, you know, and as you do it more and more and more, you start mm-hmm. believing you're going to do it more and more. And it's almost like this team just has a tendency to up the focus late in the game when they're down to their last at bat. And, you know, there's a lot of relief pitchers that do that. You know, they can't get anybody out until it's second and third, you know, and the game's on the line. But if you bring them into a blowout or something like that, the focus just isn't there. I think it's just something that this team just has a knack for, you know, that they they believe they're going to do it now, which is a huge thing. And if you watch that bats they have and and the energy the guys have, I mean, they just expect to come back every single time. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people don't believe in it, but for me, man, there's just certain teams that that seem to have that ability to come back. And and they've done it for long enough now where you like, you know, that's just who they are. It happens a couple of times. It's it's yeah. It's been years. You've you've been doing it ever since he stepped in, and it's yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's like Snit putting on a a, a, let's walk this off sign, but people want to play for Snit and they want to play hard for Snit. Yeah, Darno's only been here a few months, you know, with that big interruption there too. So I mean, and he said the other day, the first thing he said, it all starts with Snit, and that was the first comeback, you know, the other day that was the first big one. And he said that guy just keeps everybody up in the dugout, whether we're down five runs up, he keep, he's focused. And he said, you look over and see him locked in, whether even if you're down five runs and you get the same way. He said it all starts with Snit. That's what Darno said. Something that can happen too, you know, it's, it's how the manager walks around the clubhouse or, or treats you after you mess a game up or, or don't come through in that big at bat. To have your manager, you know, just pat you on the ass until you get him next time after a big letdown, you know, like striking out bases loaded or something like that. Um, some managers, man, they they put this pressure on you. They won't even say – like there's some managers that if you've had a couple shitty games or or come in the bullpen – from the pen or something and blown it, you'll be walking down the hallway with them and they'll duck into a broom closet just to <laughs> just to not talk to you. Yeah, you know, like yeah. they'll just – they'll see you and you'll see them make a left turn. But when you have that feeling from a manager and they, they pull you into a game or they put you in a big situation – 
um, that there's so much added pressure and, and you absorb that energy that you are going to mess it up or something like that. So that's something that I, I could never see Snit doing. You know, he's always going to look his guys in the eye and pump them up and tell them it's all right. And, you know, that's just leading. You know, you got to have vet, you got to have veterans on your team, people that lead like that. That's a perfect explanation as to uh, when people talk about a player's manager and, yeah. you know, they don't really know what that means. But right. when you can walk down the hallway after giving up four runs to lose the game and Snit's like, hey, man, don't worry about it. Or Bobby, Bobby's like, hey, man, we'll get him tomorrow. Yeah. Instead of sort of making you feel like a dickhead and, and avoiding you and, and having you, you know, try to, because you already feel bad enough. Yeah, um, and then it's a reminder. Like, oh, right. yeah, I did mess up yesterday's game. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, it's, it's harder to, to turn to the page. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's never going to put me in again. And he was like, so it's like, yeah. <laughs> I had a manager that used to go around and talk to everybody during batting practice. And then you'd see the guy that was just probably needed to pick me up the most. And he'd just kind of like go from, you know, right center. And this guy's in center field, and he'd just kind of go talk to the second baseman, and then he'd make his way out to right field, you know, like just completely avoiding guys that are sucking. And, you know, players see that stuff. And and I think it's that's the most important thing a manager could do is beeline for the guy that's really struggling and tell him he's all right because, you know, it's a mental game and it's a long season, and, and you never know what's going through guys' heads. But Snit does a really good job of treating you the same no matter how you're doing. The socially distant walk-off celebration, that was a new one for the Braves last night. They run. They they circled around the dirt, around the, the around the batter's box, the home plate. They had there was probably 12, 15 guys, all apart, and faked like high fives about ten feet from Nick. I thought it was pretty cool, um, given the circumstances. But I wanted to ask you guys: What choice do they have? Well, yeah, they don't have much. Well, they could do like some of these teams and just act like there's no no problem. I see teams high fiving and shit, and I'm like. You guys haven't learned anything from what's happening with the teams that are having to sit out for a week at a time. I mean, I have noticed. I have noticed that, uh, especially in the Braves dugout, the high fives completely stopped. Um, you know, they're doing yes. the elbow taps or the forearm taps or the hat taps or yes, um, yeah. There's the no fake. there's no hand to hand contact at all in the Braves dugout. They're doing a good job with it, man. I got to give them credit for that because I really didn't think it would happen. So uh, weird. Your best, your favorite walk offs that you guys have been a part of, or you, or that you've seen, Eric. Uh, mine was, uh, I think it was 2010, Nate McLeod hit a walk-off and our whole team <laughs> oh, just, yeah. our whole team just ran down in the tunnel. Nobody was on the field. So when he crossed home plate, he just jogged across home plate and jogged, jogged off the field. Wasn't that in like September or August too? And we planned it in April. <laughs> yeah. We planned it for a while. I couldn't get the walk-off. <laughs> yeah, so, so long. We planned it for so long that I almost forgot that it was going to happen. And then when someone finally hit a walk-off. Like, Holy shit. We got to do this now. Yeah, because people started running out of the dugout, and then I remember Chipper and BMAC calling him back and then waving him down the tunnel. Um, but it didn't. It really didn't get that much coverage. I thought it'd be everywhere because nobody's ever really done that before. And we obviously didn't have COVID or anything back then. We we're just we we're just getting through a season. But I always I always look back at that one like that was hilarious. Yeah, the Prince Fielder one was the one that gets me uh, when he hits a walk off and does the whole jumping on home plate, the explosion or the bowling pins or um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we and talked that about that. the game up. If we did, if we, that's fine now. But I mean, back then, that was you were, <laughs> was you were a disrespectful person. It was edgy back then. Now it would be like, oh, yeah. that's cute. Nobody <laughs> even care anymore. I'm waiting for the guy to do the cartwheels around the around the like. That's what I'm expecting next. I think it's going to be a free for all in celebrations. Um, Pitchers are starting to celebrate. I'm yeah. here for it. Look at Sunny hey. Gray. Sunny Gray's walking around like he's the Rock. Yep. Uh, Bauer's been doing that. I, you know, I pitching, like it, though, man. because all the bat flips and celebrations, you know, it's 
if we're going, if it, it's got to be a two way street, so I, don't I like seeing pitchers do that yeah. shit, man. Bauer's been doing that McGregor walk where he kind of throws his hands in front of his shoulders yeah. and shakes him around. <laughs> My opinion of him has turned full circle in the last uh, two years. I think I've, I think I've just completely softened. Or yeah, probably I just we all have. That, yeah, totally just, agree. There's no point being a dickhead anymore. There's no point being an asshole. If he's going to be the way he's going to be, like let him do what he's going to do, and he's good. So, and he says some righteous shit once in a while too. That's what I like. He'll he talks. He doesn't just speak in cliches. The guy has points of view and he expresses them. I, I really appreciate that. He's yeah, very. It's smart. crazy though because he's no made doubt. a vow to only sign one year deals the rest of his career. I can't he, believe he's gonna. If somebody offers him a big I contract know. this winter, he's gonna do that. I if, I could see he's the guy that would do it though. Stick to God, it. If he does, the Braves need to get him for one year then because they're they're into those one year contracts. Let me ask I'd you rather, a question. His his spin rate has spiked since he's been in Cincinnati. Do you think he just said, "Okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna no waver and drive line Pinter? guy"? Not after everything he said about it. I mean, he's That's been calling saying, out pine tar guys for years. There's no chance. So what's the change? You think? You think he oh, he's throwing he's throwing harder too. I mean, he's been getting up to 98. So he's been know, lived. Just, he's lived at drive line for like three years, hasn't he? He's I mean, there every he's, day. Yeah, he's there all winter every day. But he's he's another guy that when I was talking about, you know. The adrenaline of a big league game and all that stuff. When he 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 throws live batting practice all winter, and he'll throw the ball as hard as he can, and it's eighty seven. How he does it? He, but, but it's a, he can't get he can't get his velo until he gets into big league games, and then it's there. What about he was doing those videos where he was out in the middle of the desert? And it seemed like he was flinging the ball yeah. okay, but maybe it might have been eighty eight. Maybe some live at bat. Yeah, he's interesting. Um, and if you're pitching away Sonny Gray is right now, I think he can do whatever he wants, man. I can't believe that guy. When I the Braves can. were God, he's uh, he's really turned it around. When he was in Oakland, I mean he yeah. went to New York and struggled, and I think he had right. a rough year in Oakland, but I played catch with him a few times and he's he's just one of those guys that the ball just explodes out of his hand. Like it you play catch with him and he's not even trying to throw it hard or anything, and you just feel like mm-hmm. he's being a dick. You know, the the ball's cutting, sinking. It's everywhere. He he's smart too. You know he knows what he's doing, and the stuff was always there. I think he just kind of ran into a rough spell. But going somewhere like Cincinnati, I mean, for him, I think was really good. I watched an interview with him the other day. He's really well spoken, and the way that he talks about pitching, I just I wish I had that mindset, um, or I wish I was like the, he just talks about it in such a way that he, is that if I execute my plan, I know I'm going to be better than the hitter. And I was just it's just the, that sort of sort of confidence and knowing that that because of, I guess, the analytics now and because of if you know you hit your spots and hit your targets and do what you've been working all off-season to do, that you beat this guy no matter what because you've done your research. And like, I, I was never that pitcher. I, I was just it's, – it, it's so foreign to me to think that way. Every game was – every game for me, same. I mean, it, you know, you got to be confident. But it, that's another thing that the young guys have to learn is, is a good pitch gets a good hitter out every time. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just a matter of trust in that. But – it's not easy to trust it, man. If, if a guy like, you know, even Bichette or somebody that you know is just hacking and you know if you make a mistake, they're going to crush it. You know, it's it's the hardest thing to dial it back and, and stay in your in your comfort range at 90% effort and not try to do too much against those guys. And that's what you see young guys come up and do a lot. But that that was a big thing coming over to Atlanta for me was BMAC just saying like, hey, if you hit my glove, this guy's going to hit a double play into a double play. Yeah. And it's it's hard to trust that, and then you just mm-hmm. you focus on hitting the glove. You hit the glove, you get the double play, and as those things repeat over time, you start having that confidence that all I have to do is make pitches. But it's a hard lesson to learn, man, when you're first getting into the big leagues. 
I thought that was impressive about what Tukey did last night too against who he did it against. I mean, that, that, they got some aggressive, young, really good hitters on that team. And he said Bichette. he was trying to make them hit it, and he struck out nine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you know, know, I think Flowers gets <laughs> you know he gets crazy. Flowers gets a lot of grief here on uh, social media, but the guy they brought him back because the way he calls a game and the, and the pitch framing. But if you looked since he came off the COVID list, what he's done with the young every young starter that he's uh, caught has had a really good game. I don't think it's a coincidence. I mean, Darno's really good too, but they they've done a hell of a job keeping these veteran catchers here. Uh, to help these young guys along. And I, when Flowers is back there, it seems like he really connects with these guys. Yeah, catcher's the one position that I don't think you just go for the top prospect or the, the best bat. You know, I think it's mm-hmm. the one position you really can't afford to sacrifice the defense and, and the mentality back there. I mean, they're pretty much quarterbacks, you know, for the whole game they're calling yeah. every pitch. Yeah. That's why I think Gary Sanchez is going to be a first baseman before long. <laughs> he struggles he, but he struggles defensively too I don't know about his game calling but yeah it's it's a tough position to to sacrifice that defensively so the bullpen Whew. you had okay so Josh Tomlin we've talked about him here Eric he's the greatest player he's the MVP of, of <laughs> I don't care what right now, all the time. right now you know what I was thinking about this yesterday. Right now, he is the MVP, not only because of what he's done, but what he did to AJ Mentor in the offseason. What Mentor has done since the shutdown, yep. the two of them. I agree with you. Right now, that'll change, obviously. But he's what been they terrific. Do. What do you do with Mentor? They are from both of them are from Tyler, Texas, White White House, which is part of Tyler. Uh, and he, Josh is like five six years ahead of him, whatever, at least. But Tom, uh, uh, mentor remembers being like in uh, high school and Tomlin being back, you know, uh, in the off season coming to the high school and all this. And he like worshiped the ground he walked on. He pitched in a world series and all that with Cleveland. And he went back during the shutdown to Tyler, Texas, the two of them there together and worked out every day. And Tomlin just got in his head and, 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 and convinced him, you know, how good his stuff is and, and to trust it and all that. And it finally seems to be clicking with mentor as well as being healthy, obviously. But Mentor just raves about what he learned from Tom the working out with him during the three month shutdown. They were together like uh, most of the time. Yeah, I don't think uh, there's anything any you know, it's one thing when a coach is telling you your stuff is really good and you belong here and stuff, but when you start getting those compliments from um major league veterans, people with a ton of time and they're consistently telling you, like, dude, you could pitch in this league, you could dominate this league. I think anybody that watches Mentor throw, you're just wondering why he why he can't why he hasn't put it together yet, but you know, he's throwing a change up this year too. I don't know if Tomlin taught him that or whatever, but for me, that's been the difference maker for him. Yes. He worked with him there. Melanson said, these guys uh, also, you know, Melanson was talking about mentor. He said, he's a guy's always blowing cheese. Yeah. Yeah. It's there. (laughs) What were you saying, Pete? It's, 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 it's also a situation where this is probably the first time that mints ever failed. So yeah. You yeah, come up yeah. to the big leagues and you you get thrust into a setup role and then you're closing some games and then all of a sudden you're DFA'd or you're sent down to yeah. the minor league and it's kind of like, holy shit, what happened? Like I was I was on a trajectory that was never going to stop. Um, so I think maybe having to adjust and, and and make some make some changes. And Tomlin, I mean, what a what a guy to have at your disposal for a three-month lockdown. Wow. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, you got to learn that lesson if you're men or two. You could probably get away with just trying to overpower hitters in, in AAA. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're not quite good enough to make you pay or or to sit on a pitch and things like that. But you get to the big leagues, man, everybody can hit 97. Yeah, It's a great weapon to have, but you got to have something else to offer. And when he's throwing that, he's throwing changeups like 1-0 and stuff. I mean, once you drop that on him, it, it speeds your fastball up so much. And he's got the angle and the cutter. You know, I've watched him every year and thought this dude should be a closer for, you know, I think he got into that role for a little bit, but just wasn't able to hold it down. So he's got like a 10-mile-an-hour differential probably between that fastball and his changeup, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Tomlin right now leads the National League relievers in uh, strikeouts with 11 and scoreless innings with eight in five appearances. (laughs) He's the only NL reliever who's pitched at least six innings without giving up a run, earned or otherwise. And his 0.25 whip is tied with Chad Green of the Yankees for second lowest in the majors among the 27 relievers who pitched at least six innings. Only Ross Detweiler of the Sox, he has an 0.24 and eight and a third. That's the only one lower. And him and Detweiler both have 0.77 opponents batting averages. Tom Lennon and him. They're two guys that have been around since about 1976 too, so good on them. <laughs> yeah, but that's why he's so huge to have out of the pen. I mean, he saves this, He saves the pen so many times. The versatility, being able to come in and throw a big inning in the sixth or seventh or mm-hmm. feeling confident that he can eat two or three out, you know, if, if the starter goes short. I, we've talked on here about, you know, putting him back in the rotation, especially when Soroka got hurt, but I feel like he's so valuable out of the pen, mm-hmm. you got to keep him there. And that's why Snit doesn't want to do it. You know, doesn't yeah. want to start him my Saturday and that start uh, Friday. Well, especially if you're Saturday, managing, Saturday. you know, being able to hit that button. Yeah. And, like, it's basically a consistency button you can hit any time the game starts getting out of control. That's that's huge for Snit to have. A for, another former starter and the Braves' early comeback player of the year candidate, lefty Tyler Matzik. He is tied mm. for second most strikeouts among NL relievers with nine and six innings, five appearances. He also has no walks like Tomlin. Obviously huge for a guy whose career was derailed for several years by the yips. He's out I got to speak strikes. to him. Yeah, I got to speak to him doing those little Zoom interviews that I've been doing, and and uh-huh. I, I read I read up on his story, and what a what a great great story, kind of like the yeah the Daniel Bard story. But guys yeah. don't come back from that, and I think nope. I think uh, I think the the fact that we've had two this year, it's it's uh, it's really good. But he's. He was he was he was amazing in high school. He was a starter mm-hmm. with the Rockies, and he was on he was again on that trajectory that that thought that he was going to be a superstar, and then all of a sudden, first rounder. Uh, Walt Weiss was his manager in Denver. Said this guy was Newcom, you know, the size and yeah. all that, big, menacing guy, threw hard, and then he had he had a moment in spring training one year where he turned his ankle, and he said all of a sudden he couldn't throw strikes, and he never got it back. I mean, he got sent down after. I mean, he had some hideous numbers, like as many walks as strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Sent him down to the minors, all the way down to the uh, A ball. Had him working with psychologists and all this. Nothing clicked. Yeah, but I've done. I've I've walked as many as I've struck out being completely healthy. That's, that's not that big a deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he struck out a lot though. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's a great. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> And then you have so yeah he's been huge, uh, Matzik so far. I mean everybody's pulling for that dude, man. He's five years out of the big leagues. He went five years between appearances. I want and, everybody to, to get off Luke Jackson too. Luke Jackson's going to be there and he's going to be good. And yeah, he's he's the reason why the Braves are even as good as they are. Oh, we're big fans of Luke here, dude. He's I know a you guys of the show. are, but we love the rest, rest of the rest of the Twitterverse and the rest of the yeah. world. Yeah. 
Uh, so, and then AJ Mentor, another another lefty. They got a lot of lefties this year, man. Is showing signs of a resurgence after his, you know, the little shoulder thing he had last year after the auto accident and uh, spring training that he probably came back too soon from. But he has seven strikeouts, one walk in five and two thirds. So, and then you got still another lefty, Grant Dayton, who's a couple of years removed from TJ. It looks like he's got it pretty much back. I mean, he's got a good arm, man. Mm-hmm. Eight strikeouts in five and a third innings. Uh, he's tied for fifth most strikeouts. And that's an area where the bullpen, they really didn't have a ton of strikeouts in recent years. Now they got all these guys getting strikeouts and not walking anybody. And the walks were killed them. The strikeouts up league wide or just, just with us? Okay. Strikeouts yeah. are up. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, feel like, I feel like hitters give the hitters another couple of weeks, maybe a week or two. And, and, and you might see those strikeout numbers, but well, maybe you will. Who knows? I mean, um, I feel like they're going to catch up at some point, but yeah. Um, Brace hitters so and good too. Yeah. Yeah. Braves hitters and Mets hitters were striking out a ton. Mets hitters still are. Braves have cut that man for a while there. They were averaging like twelve strikeouts a game. Their hitters. I think Braves. that's the hardest you know thing to kind of analyze is it, so many hitters now are getting criticized for being all or nothing. But it, when you look at the stuff that's being thrown at them in the game, yeah, I mean it's it's just a, it's different to hit now than it's ever been. Everybody's throwing ninety six. You know the odds of the strikeout are just so much higher. But you know there's definitely been a there's been a sway in the game towards more home runs and strikeouts. I don't know if it's it's better to watch or not, but I don't think it just falls on the hitters. I think pitchers are are throwing better stuff than they've ever thrown. And especially after a three after a three and a half month yeah. shutdown, come the hit hitters 97. come back, and all they did, almost all the hitters, all they did was inter squad games, you yeah. know, a couple of exhibition games, and all of a sudden, you know, and a lot of the pitchers stayed in good shape. You can see that, Dave. Yo, do you think it's harder to hit now or back in the nineties facing Pedro? with two or three inches off each side? Mm, that's, that's a good one. That's a good question. And I think it – and it also, like like uh, Eric said, it's approach too because guys, they're not shamed by strikeouts now. It's To a lot of guys, that's right. just another out, literally. So, you know, I think you have to look beyond the strikeouts, you know. And the, the ball flying. OPS, all that. But uh, It's a lot more tempting to go from for a homer when you can inside out a ball out, you know, opposite field versus the yeah. ball not flying. You know, it's almost – you don't see that, many guys, pitchers, carving up hitters like, uh, no. you know, with with low 90s, like a guy like Glavin, Maddox did back when his velocity, you know, was down five miles an hour. He's still just destroying guys. You don't see guys doing that now because, like he said, you don't get that pitch off the plate. You got to come over the plate. Just LeVon on, Hernandez. Just you to know? give you guys a warning, my – right on cue, my lawn guy's just shown up. So if you hear a lawnmower, that's me. Sorry. <laughs> you don't mow your own lawn, Moilo? No. Do you mow yours? No. Do you have a lawn? You just have a lake, don't you? Yeah, I got a backyard. Okay. You're bad. Of course you do. Probably an acre, <laughs> two. <laughs> no, it's like it's like 20 by 30. That's enough. Mow mine with a push mower. It takes me about 45, 50 minutes. Got about half an acre with a hill. It's a workout. It is a good workout. It's cathartic. Um, plus, you say about 50, 60 bucks at least. Shane Green, six strikeouts, no walks, five and two-thirds. Remember everybody was there – Again, social media saying, well, "Why, why don't they DFA this guy? Don't non-tender him." Shane yeah. Green. Yeah, some people said that last year after he started when he out. First slow. came over. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, so, so you need to have a score next to your username. Like every time you say some dumb shit, you lose a point. And then when somebody, <laughs> when somebody weighs in that Shane Green should get DFA'd and their, their Twitter score is like negative 4,000, you're like, that is absolutely unbelievable, Eric, that I've not even thought of that or heard of that. Before. You need to have a rating. You need to have yeah. a rating for how good you've been. Yeah, like a well, Yelp see, review. But then you could just mute everybody with a bad score and their stuff would never pop up. I see if like with us, if we do it, we get reminded of it with uh, cold takes or what? what is it? Uh, this didn't age well, that freezing cold takes, whatever the hell it is. Yeah, but Beer Slammer 420 doesn't ever. But know, he the just, average he lays person the doesn't. They don't have to worry about something. that. The average yeah. person can say something stupid shit and they don't have it dredged up a year later, you know, when it doesn't work out. But they're not even um, the average person. They're just an egg. <laughs> <laughs> so... Tomlin, Matzik, Minter, Dayton, and Green combined 41 strikeouts, one walk, and two Ooh. runs allowed in 30 and two-thirds innings. That's incredible. How about that, man? And I didn't even mention Mark Melanson, the closer in the damn team, and Chris Martin, the big, the other big uh, – that's two of the three guys they traded for last year at the deadline. And then you get Will Smith back. He hasn't pitched yet, but you got him back now. So I wanted to ask you guys, when you add Will Smith – who was an all-star closer with the Giants last year. Is this the best Braves bullpen since 2010? Or do you have to go all the way back to 2002, which was my first year. I came over from covering the Marlins to cover the Braves. 02 had Smoltzy with 55 saves. Chris Hammond, Mike Rimlinger, and Darren Holmes, all ERAs below two. Hammond had an 095 ERA. And then Kerry Leitenberg and Tim Spooniebarger had ERAs below three and over 50 appearances apiece. Yeah, I mean, but you, it's, 2010. I think it's the deepest pen I've seen, for sure. Yeah, deepest. I would go with that. Yeah, I mean, you got six guys you feel like could close if if they were thrown into the role. Yeah. I didn't even mention a, Luke Jackson. Yeah, yeah. You can protect your your numbers when you're able to play matchups too, Dave. So this is a bullpen that's having to go out there and face the mm-hmm. minimum three, and and mm-hmm. it's not. So these guys are pitchers. They're absolute studs. Yeah, you don't notice. I mean, if you look at they've won some pretty close games, a walk off, things like that. But even the game that you know, if you're up, if you're up three going into the seventh, yeah. and you give up two, yeah, you know, and it's it's the depth of it that just if once this team's ahead and they're throwing like that, I mean, it's discouraging for the other team to look at all the arms that are coming at them. And it's defeating when you have those leads and you blow them like the Braves have had some teams. And they don't do that now. They're not doing that now. you got to win the games you're supposed to win. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the bullpen's job. And it usually kind of goes unnoticed until you start blowing games and the bullpen sucks. But that's just one of those things that I don't – you don't see too many teams unless they just have a juggernaut of an offense that just blows teams out. But you don't see teams without a good bullpen uh, winning divisions. I also like the fact that we're not looking at a – ton of young guys we're looking at a no. bunch of veteran There's guys some good that experience. have been there before yeah you know a lot of experience under all sorts of situations so it's uh it's that's an abs- that's probably the strength right now i'd say yeah, yeah come, with the depth you don't guys, have to guys in their 30s yeah you don't have to throw um you know you don't have to throw the same guys all the time with this pen mm-hmm. you got you got six choices you can give guys more days off you don't have to run guys out there three four games in a row and then lose them for a day or two um, having that depth, you know, and, and so many guys, like if Melanson goes down, there's no, oh, who's going to close tonight? There's yeah. no worry about that. It's just, you know, just pick another stud reliever and, and throw him out there and you feel pretty good about it. Not like last year when they lost their two closers early, got hurt, when Mentor sucked early. and Luke uh, and, had to uh, step up. Yeah, Luke was thrust into that role. 
I mean, he would literally be like the sixth guy you'd use now in closer. I mean, that's just completely changed. Yeah, and that's why he was so big last year because huge. He, for this even team. though you know a lot of people weren't sure if he's doing a good job or not, or he blew a few saves, but he'd never even had a good big league season before last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that was a huge growing, and now you can just count on him to be pretty damn good. But um, that that was huge last year, and you don't you don't have to worry about that this year. If somebody goes down this year, you know you got four or five more guys. You just you throw in there, you feel like somebody will stick. Moyla, you could probably relate to Luke, man, because when he gets in there and gives it up, it's always on these fucking hits through the infield. I mean, yeah. he gives up so yeah. many hits through the infield. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's frustrating. But um, yeah. I just think – I think Luke Jackson, he has two of the better breaking pitches that I've seen, and he, mm-hmm. and it, he throws his curveball at 92 miles an hour. and. I just don't understand how you're able to get that much force and spin and velo and and still control it and know well control it sometimes uh, and yeah. still know where where it's going to go and then throw 97 on top of that if you have to and that slider damn and he's I your don't eighth have best any... guy is, is he I mean is he the eighth best like, I don't even want to rank <laughs> I don't even want to somewhere rank between it's five hard. and eight yeah yeah it's yeah. hard. I don't have any answer though for I mean other than not striking guys out you know getting a lot of soft contact which he has he has a lot of life on his ball he's throwing a lot of breaking balls but some guys man just have this knack for giving up cheap hits and he seems to be like one of them mm-hmm. but I don't really have an answer for it. Okay, Max Freed, 2 and 0, 0.792 whip. 2.03 ERA and 3 starts and that ERA could be a half run lower if that uh error charge or that hit charged the other night would have been an error on Riley, which I thought was an error. But anyway, 2.03 ERA and three starts. And this guy, like I said earlier, he does not give up hits. I mean, he just, he goes like three, four innings every game. It seems like without giving up a hit. And now he's not walking guys either. As he, he's allowed nine hits, no homers, four runs, five walks with 15 strikeouts and 17, two thirds. He's not out there, you know, striking out 10 a game, but he's getting plenty of strikeouts. And he's so calm. Eric's talked about this. This guy, he, he, Eric pitched, uh, worked with him a little bit uh, while he was on rehab. But it seems like it's all coming together for this guy because the mentality's always been there, the intelligence and the, and the skills, obviously. He's, he's a big, uh, he built just like a pitcher, like he, the blueprint, a little lanky. Uh, and now he's past the TJ and all that mentally is behind him. I, 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 my question is, he, he seems like a legit top of the rotation starter that you can put up against. Other teams number ones now. He's pitching like it, you know. I mean, he's he's got the ace stuff. He's got the ace mindset. You know, the only reason he wasn't considered the ace going in this right. year because you had Soroka. Soroka. You know, you had a guy in front of him, but he yeah, stepped up the that next night, didn't he? That next yeah, he day, did. he did. Do you I think the Braves? He is our ace now. He's got no choice but to. Yeah. He's got to be. So yeah. and he's and be, he's embraced it. And he's yeah, embraced yeah. it. I think sixty game season. See how you, see see how this pans out. But I have every confidence that. That, that Max Max is going to be a staple at the top of someone's rotation, hopefully ours for a long time. Yeah. He is, as Snit says, what they look like, boys. He's yeah. It's <laughs> a good way to put it. He, uh, my, my question is, do the Braves need to add, and it's probably too early to know this, to add someone like Lance Lynn is the guy that's obvious because the Rangers suck, man, and he's going to probably be available in, in a few weeks. Unless the Rangers decide, hey, we don't want to – They've still got him. Miner's really not pitching well, though. He's I don't know what the problem is, if he's hurt. But but Lance Lynn, yeah. though, he's still got a year left. Miner's d- done this year. 
And you, the Rangers, I'm sure, are planning on competing next year when they can have fans in that new ballpark. Uh, I don't know. He's, he's really affordable, $9, $10 million next year, if he's pitching like he is now, because this year he's been he's been lights out. Do you give up prospects for him in a few weeks if he's available? Or, pro, you know, with a guy with one year left on his deal? Or do you, if you're the Braves, do you go with the young guys and hope Hamels or Fulte comes back in September and add somebody this winter if you have to, if you need to? I don't think you have a choice I, right now. Mm, no, nobody's going to be available for, for a little while. I think the good thing about this situation is um, they don't have a choice. So they're going to have to roll these right. guys out there right. and get some answers from Tukey, get some answers from Nuke, mm-hmm. um, and just, just kind of see how the rotation plays out. But if they're struggling, you know, if it's more of the up and down, I, with this team, man, I, the bullpen, the lineup and everything, I feel like, you know, you almost have to make some kind of move. But – you just you don't have a choice right now. You know you got to wait and see how it plays out. Yeah, I think the front office of the past probably would have seen how it weighed out, but I think Alex is definitely going to make a couple moves at yeah. the deadline. He makes moves, man. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, he does. And he usually finds a way to do it without giving up his top guys. So we'll see. But I really like this rotation next year because I think Tucker Davidson's going to be in there, and I think Ian Anderson's going to be ready. They're pitching, you know. Even though there's no minor league season this year, they're throwing sim games and uh, and uh, inter squad games all the time down at Gwinnett. And you heard uh, Nick what Nick said about him, but Tucker Davidson really put up good numbers last year in AAA, and he's not you know he's not a 21 year old guy. He's like 24 five, and he's he's going to be ready. And then Kyle yeah, but Moore, you thought Nuke and you thought Tuki right would be him. ready too. You know, they, the prospects mature at their own rate. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt. No, nobody's a sure thing, but I do like. Yeah. I do like look the maturity good. and mentality these guys have, yeah. which, you know. But I like that about Tukey, too, though. I would have told you with the confidence that he had when he came up, he was going to be there. Nukem, I never felt that way about, you know, just talking to him. But, uh, I mean, physically, Nuke was always there, the stuff. But I just didn't sense that confidence and that intellect, if you will, uh, in him. I think that's been slow to come. I've seen signs of it lately a little bit better. But uh, you don't get that talking to Tucker – Especially Ian Anderson, those guys. You talk to them, and you say, "Ah, these." It's like when when you talk to Soroka, you know, or Freed. So, yeah, or Freed. Soroka's yeah. off the charts, though. I mean, he's twenty two, and he's it's just like you're talking to a thirty two year old. Yeah, I'm but glad Freed, you. I'm glad you're excited about next year. But who starts for us tomorrow, Dave? That's a good question. I I still I, I, by the time this comes out, we're going to have the answer because I'll so I'll look like an idiot if it's not Bryce Wilson. But I think it's going to be Bryce Wilson. I love it. Yeah, okay. I, I think they want to go with the young guy, I, you know, be, rather than uh, we already mentioned why they don't want to start, uh, why they don't want to move Tomlin into that role, you know, or bring Julius Chassin back up. They want to get the young guys, so f- they want to see what they've got, you know. And you yeah, and Bright, if you don't do it now, when are you ever going to do it? So, and Bryce Wilson's stuff is there. He just, you know, he's never shown it for more than a few innings at a time, one or two innings usually, but. You know, the thing is, like you mentioned a while say, ago. He's had, he's had his opportunities. So You're right. He has, is it, no doubt. Is this, is this, maybe, this might be the last one. Is this maybe the last one? Yeah. Is this? Yeah. Because it's, but this, yeah. The thing I like about it with the 28, with this 28-man staff and the fact that uh, you mentioned it earlier, the way that Snit's been able to use this bullpen, he's got so many guys. I don't think he's used one guy three days in a row yet. He's avoiding that at all costs. And so they've all got like four, five, six appearances each. So he can – if Bryce Wilson stinks early, they don't have to stick with him for even three or four innings. They can pull him out after an inning, and they're fine. they got enough guys yeah. they can get through a game without – in effect, you're using an opener, you know, if he, if he falls on his face. 
Is there 11 guys in the bullpen right now? Is 20, Noah in the bullpen? 28 man, and they in the option two position guys, Shebler and Alex Jackson. So the pitching staff is still 16. Yeah, still 11. Yeah, that's that's why they haven't gone three days in a row. <laughs> that oh, yeah. Off, but they've got 11 oh, yeah. Over there. yeah. Oh, yeah, no doubt. It's working out great for them to have such a deep yeah. pin. It's like they designed it for this COVID year, even though they didn't. It's really working out for them. You know, plus the depth that, that Alex built up this year is working out with the uh, DH, whereas in the past they would have really been screwed by that. Contrast our bullpen with what Houston's thrown out there right now with nine rookies. That they oh, and I watched a couple of their games this year, and it's just like you'd expect, even with no crowd. It's just mm-hmm. three two walk, three two uh-huh. walk, three two oh, walk. It's, it's painful, just like, oh my it? goodness, it sucks. We've seen that, <laughs> we experienced and that. I, I know, yeah, I know, but there's also, I feel like there's also this is the problem that I have with rebuilding in general, right? You've got guys that are probably getting opportunities that may not have got an opportunity in the first place, and you've got a lot of guys. 34 and older that are sitting at home right now and could mm-hmm. could definitely help these teams not just compete mm-hmm. but to guide some of these younger guys like we yeah. talked about earlier like where is the veteran presence in some of these teams that yeah. that is going to be able to show these guys how the game was played or it's just this whole new analytics and and mm-hmm. not worrying about scouting and and you know all the old ways of bullshit and all the new ways are, are the only way to do it i just i just think there's got to be there's got to be a, a breaking point where, where we slow down and, and just take a look back and go, okay, these guys have had some value as well. Well, even Minter saying, you know, working with Tomlin just mm-hmm. changed his – it could change his whole season. Um, you, you need those guys to guide you through a year, and it, it's something that you can't quantify, so it kind of gets just completely discarded. Sort of but, right. yeah, you can't but quantify it's, it's, it gets dismissed by too many people these days. Yeah, and there's so much more to baseball than just showing up with good stuff. You know, I covered a 108-loss Marlins team in 2000 or in 1998, the year after they won the World Series. They blew the whole team up. So they had Jim Leland's managing a bunch of kids that shouldn't have been there. And the the danger of that is when you blow it out and you bring up some of these guys, they might be really talented guys. And you you are are there's a risk in in throwing these guys in before. And some say, well, if he can't handle it mentally, it's not a prospect you wanted anyway. Well, that's bullshit if they're just not ready yet, but they might've been in one year. We had a guy like Ryan Dempster, for instance, that guy was on that 98 team and he came up from double a, I think, and he just wasn't ready yet. And he had like a seven ERA and got sent back down. He was literally in tears when they sent him down. Now he overcame that and had a really good career, but a couple other guys that they brought up that year, I never heard from again. And who knows how much damage it did to them getting right. lit up. One guy gave up a, the longest homer of, of McGuire. That was the year of the home run chase. And they had a they had a rookie give up a 540-foot homer to McGuire. <laughs> longest one he hit all year off the second deck, deck facade at Old Bush Stadium in center, right center. It was crazy. And, uh, and, and I've never heard of the guy f- from the guy again. So who knows, man, what the damage that it can do if they're just yeah, thrust from double A. And I think that's what you're seeing with with all the young starters and, and stuff too. You know, they're just, they're trying to build their confidence, and you got to prove to yourself first that that you belong at this level. And and that's the that's the risk of just having guys thrust when they aren't ready. Mm-hmm. You know, you can just your only impression of the big leagues is that's the place where I just get lit up. You know, I give up, I give up right. five every time you go back to AAA and you do well, you know, to get over that hump, you, you have to start having good outings. And I think like that one for Tukey and even the the start right just had 
Um, even though he gave up a ton of base runners, he battled through those yeah. those innings. So now next time he gets in it, he's going to know, like, I can get out of this if I stay calm and make pitches. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's a big risk of guys coming up too soon is, is you just you completely lose your confidence and feel like you can't handle that level. I also think that the emphasis on the other things like PFPs, fielding a position, picking people off, holding runners – you know, all those sorts of things have gone by the wayside, which which by the time I was in the big leagues were almost natural and normal instincts for me. Whereas these young kids, the game speeds up on them and all that stuff that is not natural because they haven't done it enough, they start throwing balls away and they, 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 miss, they miss easy ground balls. They cost themselves outs. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just these, these kids, this, they don't get enough grooming, I guess. Um, it's just all, if you can throw 95 at good spin rate, we'll bring you <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. I think the Braves have done a pretty good job of having uh, veterans around uh, these pitchers, you know, that, uh, that so far, I mean, even this year, even though Hamels hasn't pitched and been a bust as far as the money they spent on him, he has helped Freed a lot. Freed said that he's been even more than he thought he would be as far as being there to help him with the changeup with with a lot of stuff. So he's been there. It's not like he's just been, you know, at home in Dallas the whole time. So I guess that's what I don't understand though, is why when, when, Big league players continually give older players credit, you know, for for telling them this tip or, or saying something that changed their career. Why it's so hard to believe that that yeah. it matters? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Acuna, seven walks, three strikeouts in his six in his past six games, and for the month of August, he's hit three fifty with four extra base hits, five nineteen OBP, six fifty slugging. And this is after he hit 152 with a 243 OBP and 212 in eight July games. I would say he's probably turned a corner, right, Eric? We, we were, as we said, we were not ever the least bit worried about him. I mean, he's just one of those guys that's too good to fail. Yeah. <laughs> like when you got his swing and power and, and you can do what he does. And I think he has the right mindset, too, where he's just saying, I just play a game. I never think about the stress. You know, some guys say that and you don't believe him. But you watch him run around the field, and, and I've never seen him look stressed one time that I've been watching him. Did you see him score from first the other day on that? Yeah. Uh, oh man, he yeah, put on some weight, but he can fly. His speed has not been diminished at all. There are certain guys that just seem to play the game with absolutely zero panic, and yeah. uh, and he's he's one of them. I don't know if you yeah. can teach it, but he's got it. He's definitely got it. Yep. He's, he's still, we still haven't seen him go off like we, like we will, I'm sure soon, but, uh, and have that Acuna run, you know, five homers in five days from the leadoff spot, that kind of thing. But he's looked a lot like himself lately and, and really what, cut down on the strikeouts. If Acuna was a stock, I'd pull my house into him right now. <laughs> yeah. How concerned are you guys about the other stud, uh, Ozzy? Uh, I, the wrist, you know, it's obviously it's a red flag always, but, I think they did the right thing, finally putting him on the IL before they go any further with this thing. He 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 wouldn't have come out of the game unless they made him. Um, yeah. So I'm not concerned about um, his his ability to hit coming back. I certainly know that'll be there. Um, I don't know how if he's able if he's trying to play through that kind of injury. Yeah. I feel like it's not that bad. So uh, ten days will give him the, the rest. He can take some dry hacks, get his swing back together, and and come back and fire on all cylinders. I reckon. When he yeah, that's when you. That's when you build those bad habits too. You know, like you you have a wrist injury or something and and you you change your firing patterns, you change your swing. That's how you can, like what you're saying with Matzik, like hurting his ankle and trying to pitch through it. Uh All of a sudden you're favoring different stuff. You completely change how you move. Um, You know, it was a thing back in the day to play through pretty much anything that got thrown at you. But one thing I think teams are doing better now is just shutting guys down and and letting them get healthy versus... (laughs) 
you know, you remember Schaefer yeah. hurt his wrist. And yeah. I mean, he never got back to where no. he was that, that first month of, of 2009. He shot um, it up and played through it. Yeah. Tried and, to. And and you saw Freddie in the playoffs. You know, you saw Freddie trying yeah. to play through his. Sometimes, man, there's just injuries you can't play through. And the player wants to. The player wants to push it. But I think the team made the right move, just shutting him down and letting him get healthy. I blew, out. He- I blew out in Houston because I was fat. And, <laughs> and I hurt my foot. And I couldn't land on my left foot. And I lifted my arm angle up. And I've got this, this photographic evidence. I can tell you exactly why I blew out. And... uh it, yeah, it's it's that kind of thing that you've really got to, as you said, oh, you really got to be careful because you do develop really bad habits. And uh, I blew an elbow out. Yeah. When when Acuna turned around, I don't know if, if he if he told anybody he was going to do this, but he forced the issue basically. When he turned around and hit lefty against the left hander, that's like okay, the Braves had to dil him at that point. Right. Oh, when Ozzy did that, Ozzie yeah, you got no I mean, choice. Ozzie, after I'm that. sorry. Yeah. Ozzy, when Ozzy turned around and hit lefty, it was like, okay, that's you can't be doing that in the middle of a game for the first time ever. No, you're struggling. Yeah, well, you're not feeling right. Didn't didn't the first baseman Choi from Tampa Bay turn around and switch hit for the first time and hit a bomb? <laughs> I don't did you know. see that? No, oh, that did. guy. Yeah, he did. He hit a right-handed homer. I think. Yeah, but he he hadn't switched hit in two years. That's pretty. You know, that's pretty intense. He did that to me in spring training. I faced <laughs> really? him. I faced him back to back at bats. And I faced him lefty the first game. And so I'm, you know, if a guy hits lefty off you, you just assume I didn't know much about him. You just assume he's a permanent left-handed hitter. Yeah. And I got a I got in a bat against him. My next outing was at the Yankees complex. And he got in the box right-handed and kind of looked at me funny. <laughs> I just I've never been more domed up on the mound. I'm, <laughs> I just was like, what the hell is this guy doing, man? And Which I had to, Choi I, are you talking about, man? He sopped with uh, this one. G Man Choi. Okay. G Man Choi. Um, yeah. The same guy Morlo was talking about. Right, and right. I had to step off and just he the way he looked at me too was like you he didn't knows. know. Yeah. You, you know what's up? And I was yeah. like, I don't know what's up. <laughs> so I stepped off and I wound up getting him out anyway. But ever since then, I'm like, I don't ever want to see that guy again in my life. <laughs> this dude owns me, even if I did strike him out. That's funny. Moilo, what, uh, how many surgeries did you have? Uh, while I was here, I just, I no, had all over, 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 all over, three back surgeries, two elbows, two shoulders. That's it, huh? <laughs> That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was the hardest one to come back from? Uh, shoulder. Shoulders are worse than elbows, aren't they? They're not. My as- Tommy Jones, like, not to sound like a dick, but but I came. I was pitching in big league games uh, ten months after my first Tommy John surgery in spring training games. Jeez. I broke I with the team eleven months yeah. after surgery. I wasn't allowed to go back to back the first month, and I broke the appearance record for the break. Yeah. So yeah, you had eighty so appearances, right? Right, yeah, you did. Um, and then the next one, um, the next one was when I had signed the player coach deal with yeah. um, with the Bravos, and yeah. just ended up coming back at one hundred and sixty pounds and finding my sinker again so yeah it's the elbows were really nothing the back the back was was more of a it was that the back was the biggest relief because that was constant pain Uh yeah um i couldn't get a comfortable position whether i was sitting standing laying down no matter what i tried so to wake up after surgery and know that pain has gone that that was a huge relief but i was up walking an hour after surgery with my back wow man have you guys, do you, we talked about this the other day, Eric and I did, but Morlo, do you know anybody that's come back from Achilles surgery? Cause there aren't many baseball players that have had it. Jason Grilly. Yeah. 
Gridley, uh, Wainwright, Wainwright. Britton. Yep, Wainwright um, came back in less than quick. a year. Yeah, he yeah. finished that year. Yeah, that's Ryan, that's the only one. My dad, my dad was Ryan playing. Howard. Ryan Howard was done. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what's scary about it is when you watch Ryan Howard. You know, yeah. it, I mean, he blew his out, and he was never the same. He even when you'd see him run after yeah. that surgery, I mean, he was he looked like he was running on hot lava. He just couldn't, you know, he couldn't. He just couldn't move after that. Okay, I, I think that's like why it's a scary too. injury. But with Soroka being young, I, you know, Howard was a little older when he did it. Oh, um, he was at the end of his career. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was at the end anyway. Uh, and and they did it's it. Him and one. Wainwright did it the same way too, which is the way you know, same way as Kobe taking off. They did both did it coming out of the box. That first step. Which uh, leg was Wainwright's? He was uh, the push off foot. No, he was a land foot. No, he was like landing land foot. foot. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I said he thought they thought it would be a little easier for him. And then other people have said that the landing foot can be worse because you kind of have to be stable when you land. He can't really twist or, you know, it kind of twists. So some people, there's a difference of opinion on which is worse. Yeah, that's odd. No way. we got a difference of opinion. Crazy in 2020. <laughs> well, I guess that depends legs. on the pitcher too, though, right? Yeah. The size and the, how much you push off. Like Eric was talking about, uh, Soroka's not really a guy that – derives a ton of power from that push-off like some guys do. It also seems know. like a fairly soft land foot too. Like, it's yeah. like, he's, like a Verlander is pretty violent when he lands. Yeah. He's got that knee extension, like the knee flip, like, whereas Soroka seems more under control. And, but yeah. it's surprising that he that – he, at 23 too, what's the – all Weird. those other guys, I felt like they were older, like a lot older. All of them were older. It's, it's a thing that happens to guys mainly late in their careers, like yeah. Kobe, you know, when they're just worn down. Like from you know the wear and tear kind of kind of uh, weakens it weakens your tendons ligaments, mm. yeah that's weird. But um, he you know I, if you want to be grossed out, look at it. Well, I'm, you've looked at tons of pictures of surgeries. I'm sure both of you guys have had when you when you had TJs and stuff. You probably looked them up and the oh, they give you a video. They give you a video and right. they give you they give you pictures and everything of what everything you they did. And theme park ride? Did I get shit? Look oh, at, really? Look at the pictures of Achilles surgery, man. And there's videos too. Oh God. Okay, I'll look at it right it's now. It's nasty, dude. It's nasty. Did you talk Not, fast, Eric? Yeah, Eric, I took a I took a typing class in high school. Eric, you talked about there's <laughs> there's supposedly a less invasive procedure now. I don't know if that's experimental. I don't know if that's the one Soroka's gonna have. He should be having surgery at any point now, any day now. But uh that the regular where they just open the whole thing up and go, oh. It's nasty because there's just no flesh there, you know? That's why it's swollen for so long. Oh, man, I'm looking at it right now. It's pretty gross. It's gruesome. <laughs> it's gruesome. I know. I've, I I don't know anything about it, but I've just heard that they've they've found ways to minimize, you know, the, the incision and, and kind of going in a couple different spots versus cutting the whole thing open. And I, I don't and, know which one he's doing, but. And there's a real risk for infection because of the lack of flesh there. You know, the lack of. Yeah. It, it's, it, 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 they have to be really careful. Like Ryan Howard, they had to go in and redo it because it got infected. I was just mm. going to say, you, you have to be in a boot. for If yep. you're cutting right. the, the back of your ankle, you yep. would have to be in a boot for months and not they, even dress it or redress yep. it one time. Yeah. They wrap it, and then they put it in a cast later, yeah. and then the boot. And they say for like the first – they say the thing, unlike like any other surgery where you come right out and they want you to get in the free the, the, the motion the, right away, this, that you cannot move it. They said if you try, you can get a setback and you have to like you can't put any weight on it. And then it's such a slow, tedious process where you're like picking up marbles with your toes and stuff for Ooh. a long time before Yeah. Probably it just sounds too. it sounds awful, man. 
<laughs> well, not- I know that, you know, just just in general, though, sports medicine has come so far, even since yeah. like me and more than we're having all our surgeries. And he's going to have um, the best guys. You know that. So whoever the best, sure. you know, is in this. The dude out in L.A., I think, did one of Molo's. Didn't he do the trash? No, Watkins did my back. I went out and saw – so here's a funny story for you. I went out and saw uh, one of the guys in L.A. um, Before I was getting my back surgery, I was getting my shoulder looked at. My agent thought it would be a good idea to go get my shoulder looked at. And I was so hocked up on pain pills because of my back that when the doctor was doing all the tests to check you didn't my shoulder, respond. I didn't respond. And he's like, well, it looks like shit, but it seems fine. Yeah, nothing hurts. <laughs> nothing hurts. And then I woke up from my back surgery and then threw three outings and my shoulder blew out. I was like, oh, great. <laughs> well, that's how, that's how guys pass physicals too. You know, yeah. you take a bunch of pain pills and, and then when they're – because then when they're yanking your arm around when you're doing a physical for a contract, they're looking right in your face to see if yeah. you twinge or move because uh-huh. everybody's going to say it doesn't hurt. They want the deal to go through. Uh-huh. So a lot of guys will take pain pills and just sit there and not feel a thing and just dead just dead eye, just look right back at the doctor and they're like, well, you must be fine. So yeah. that'll work and, and that won't show up on an MRI that'll tell them, you know, you Everybody's, can actually do that? Well, even when I signed with Oakland, my shoulder was torn up, but – since I didn't have any symptoms or I'd never had any shoulder stuff on my um, history, uh-huh. they basically said, you know, your labrum's pretty shredded, but you've never had any um, mm-hmm. any symptoms, so we're not worried about it. I, I think ah. I think Tim Hudson said the same thing with when he signed a few. Um, they basically said his his labrum was down to like a shoelace, but you know he wasn't having any any pain or symptoms with it. That you know he must not have been wearing it that hard. When so, I when I signed with the Braves for the last time in eighteen. Um, new training staff and obviously they got they spoke to jeff porter to, to talk about my history and then I, I remember george had called uh alex and said this guy is like a 20 on the scale of 10 risk what are you doing <laughs> so when, you're I only making a mill, physical, right? when i go down from my physical george comes i've never met george i'm lying on the table about to get an ekg and he walks over and he goes hey listen um we were thinking of doing three MRIs. And I was like, hey, listen, <laughs> fuck off. You, got one. <laughs> you can choose one. That's it. So, uh, yeah, that was, how George and I first, that was how George and I uh, first met. But I got through the elbow one okay. And it was never, it was never you know, a, a proper injury that, that caused me to stop playing. So I got through it. But, man, that was How long are the MRIs? MRIs? How long are you? MRIs are the worst. 45, hour and a half, two hours, depends on where, where they're going. Oh, my God. You've been be, all day in the tube, move. then. You can't move. When they do the shoulder, you've got to lay on your arm and put rest your head on the shoulder with your arm above your head. Yeah, you oh. get injured during the MRI. Jesus. Yeah. They play rock and roll for you or whatever you want to play? Whatever can you, you want to play. I, I can actually fall asleep in an MRI machine. It's loud, that is, isn't it? That knocking sort of gets rid yeah. you know, it, it, Until it changes, like it... It'll be doing like a massive dun, 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 for a long yeah. time. All of a sudden, going, <clears throat> and that's when I usually wake up. But God, I, I want to avoid ever having an MRI. That's my one of my goals. You get Xanax. <laughs> yeah, you got to say that you you have anxiety being um, yeah claustrophobia, and they'll hook you up. Oh man, brutal! How many you had, Eric? How many surgeries you have? Uh, uh, surgeries, not that many. I've probably had like fourteen or fifteen MRIs. No shit. Yeah. Morley, you got to have more than that. Yeah, lots. Lots. Um, wow. They never get easy. Every time every time you sort of – you you have something uh, that is a little more than just a niggling, they sort of say, well, we better get checked out. But we – as players, we try to avoid the MRI. Never do because it. Because we know yeah. that well, once they go in there, there every there, time. there's, yeah. there's going to be something wrong. Yeah. 
That's why they say you could take the MRI of any pitcher that's been in the big leagues for two or three years, and there's already going to be there's always going to be minor tears in there. Yeah. Uh, that, that's why Tommy John surgeries have jumped up so much too, because it's it's not as feared. So anytime a pitcher has any kind of elbow discomfort, you know, you can look at ninety five percent of pitchers, and they're going to have some kind of tear in their uh, UCL. And it, it, as a pitcher, for me, I, I would just tell guys never get an MRI unless you can't throw. <laughs> God, and that's really? that's the just... the attitude has changed so much too that when it I did my first one in 08, they made me rehab for six weeks before we did the surgery. So I had yeah. one I had one in 05, and they said you have a partial tear in your uh, ligament in the elbow UCL, wow. and they were like, you know, let's go home and rehab it this uh, this this winter, and if you know if it's still bothering you next spring, then then we'll we'll revisit it. And I never actually had elbow pain again until 2012. Wow. So I think that's that's something that a lot of guys, you know, are doing wrong or yeah. don't necessarily need to do is, you yeah. know, you can pitch with a torn ligament and if it's pain free or or there's just a little inflammation in there, let it calm down. And and now it's just as soon as you do the MRI, you see the tear, they cut it open and fix it. Supposedly Maddox pitched most like the second half of his career with a partial tear. Yeah. Oh, Ari Dickey was born without one. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah, you didn't even know. Yeah. Cortisone was flowing back then, though, Dave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no shit, man. All right. Well, fellas, we'll have plenty to talk about again next Tuesday. Let's just hope the season – it looked like the season was in danger when that when all this shit was happening last week. I was very worried. Marlins, Marlins yeah. and, and the Cardinals. If all the knuckleheads can just stay in their hotel rooms and live a boring life for the next six weeks, we'll get through this thing just fine. Yeah, guys, don't leave your rooms, you – Selfish sons of bitches. Hey, for six weeks, you're only on the road for three of those. Come on, man. You can do no, it. No, I get it. I get it. But you, you got to understand that it is a tough adjustment. Like Especially when you're 22 most years people old. Are, uh, most people are still allowed to at least go to the grocery store and go to Starbucks yeah. and, and go to a restaurant and sit. These guys are being asked to literally get do in nothing. their car, go to the field, get back in their car, and go home. And I what? don't know that I could do it at this stage of my life. Oh, you could do it. Come I'm on. not confident you could do it, Marlo. No chance. ADD would absolutely destroy me, and I'd be running around the streets. I'd be running around. I'd be the guy giving everyone corona, 100%. <laughs> corona Moylan. Yep. <laughs> Did you see those guys, the Marlins, when they were at uh, uh, Magic City, Moylo? You were there that night, Robbie, right? What, Magic City? Yeah. Yeah, I was the DJ. Get out your dollars. You got a big big plate of wings in front of your DJ. Let's hear it for chastity. (laughs) Oh, on that point, on that note, we'll uh, we'll get out of here. I think we've we've lingered, loitered too long. So it's been real, Moylo. You're going to come back soon. Anytime you guys want me, I'm here. How your shows going pre and post game? Yeah, not bad. Uh, it's it's weird, but I they've got me doing like a couple of Zoom interviews uh, a week. Yeah, so, I saw that's good. Um, which is, I got to work on my interview skills, but but I feel like um, I try to prepare a little bit too much and like write out these full long winded questions, and then by the time it gets to actually yeah. asking the question, I'm just rewording everything and fucking it up. So yeah, um, I'm just no, gonna write write. I can't write shorthand, so I'm just gonna write little bullet points and just go down and that's, that's all you need, yeah. Marlo, with your personality. But no, it's been good, and I and and I, uh, kudos to them for for getting a way to have me stay involved, um, because you know I, they've still got DJ and, and Nick and and Jerome going in the studio, so they have the shows covered, and they're finding a way to 
to help me be a part of the show, which I really appreciate too. How about Kelly Cruel, man? Her first year on this job and a new job. Yeah. She moves to, to a new city in the middle of a pandemic, yeah. has to find a place to live, doesn't know when the season's going to start. Doesn't now get to meet doing, the players. Doesn't make, to meet the players. And, I mean, that's crazy. And and has to do, you know, uh, sideline reporting when you're not on the sideline and at this stadium when they're on the road. Just yeah. That, yeah, a lot of weirdness. Yeah, on the way TV's doing I, this. I don't mind. I actually, um, when they do, when they get Paul Bird out in the stands or or on the on the field, and he, I don't, I mean, they're trying to find some content. I don't mind when he's you know doing what Paul Bird does. It's, yeah, it's funny to watch. All right, all right. We'll do this again next week. With seven fifty five is real, and we are out. Oh, by the way, today's the day that uh, uh, Steroid Barry beat Hank's record. Well, supposedly that, that officially it's called beating the record. So anyway, 755 is still real. And any more than that is not. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's a day Barry Bonds beat Hank's record, 755, you know? Oh, okay. Hence the name of the show, Moilo. Right, of course. No, I get this. I get that. But I, okay. All right. I get it. We're out. All right. Bye. All right. <laughs>